greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a blessing to see so many here this morning. Trust you've been fed so far. I have. And we can continue to allow God to stir us, move us forward in the most holy faith. I want to also welcome the visitors that are here this morning. Thank you for coming and blessing us in this way. Trust you can be edified and encouraged also. Why don't we uh, just take a little time, stand together and, and pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you again that you continue to be a God of grace and that you continue to allow us to live in time. You continue to grant opportunity for humanity to choose to serve you or choose to reject you. And you continue to allow us time and opportunity to take the gospel that we already heard about this morning, the message of truth and life and hope and peace to a world that is dying and that is lost. And we confess to you, Lord, that today in the day that we live in, too many times the church is sleeping. Too many times we become relaxed in our love for you and our commitment to Christ. And we become distracted by many distractions. But Lord, you continue to be patient with us and we thank you for that. And Father, you are not here in person this morning. But we believe you're here by your Spirit. And Lord, should you be here among us this morning, what would you say to us in the latter days that we live in? Is a question we can ask. And Lord, we thank you that we have a copy of your word. We have your truth. We have your last and final message, I believe, for the dispensation, the time that we live in. And I just pray, Lord, this morning as we just take a small portion of that word, that it could be life-giving. Lord, that it could be a message that would cause your people to make right choices in life. Father, I pray that you would just bless every soul that's here this morning. And Lord, you know my trembling heart. You know the sense of overwhelmed feelings when you choose a brother to share what would be your heart. And Lord, the, some of the, the fear and interpretation, that trembling that goes with that, I just commit that all to you and pray that the dear people here this morning could understand also that I'm just flesh. But I pray that you would anoint the things that are shared here this morning to each and every heart. Lord, that we could be encouraged. And Lord, if need be, convicted. Lord, that we could be strengthened in our faith. Father, we commit our lives and commit the time here to you. Bless every soul that's here today, we pray. For your honor and glory and for your holy name's sake in these days that we live in, Father, we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> 
I uh, will invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians this morning. I am going to try to take a portion of the book of Ephesians and and speak a bit more in an expository nature today by looking at a passage of Scripture here in Ephesians. I continue to find it a tremendous challenge to know what God would have me to share when it's my turn. And I see a number of you brothers smiling. I read from your smiles and your eyebrows going up and down that that many times is your experience also. And sometimes I can even allow a certain amount of doubt in my own mind. Why am I that way? Why ain't I more in tune with God, more in tune with the heartbeat of God that I would know what God would have me to share? And I realize God can direct and lead in various, many different ways. But I recently have been doing a certain amount of reading in Ephesians. I've been attracted to the book of Ephesians and spending time in the book. And I appreciate and love the book. And as I've been doing that, I... I don't know if I'll do some more of this out of Ephesians, but I'm going to begin in Ephesians chapter 1 with verse 1, and I'm going to look. This morning, my goal and intention is is to focus uh, pretty much our attention to the first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. But before we do that and before we read that, I would like to make notice, and probably a lot of your Bibles, especially if you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, it will point out at the top left corner of the key verse of the book of Ephesians and is somewhat the reason why I have been focusing attention towards Ephesians in the last while. And that is chapter 4, verse 13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Seems to be the heartbeat of Paul. For the church there at Ephesus. And verse 14 flows right along with verse 13. I'll read, I may as well read that right away. It says that we be no, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to the, to, to deceive. So this seems to be Paul's heartbeat here that the church would grow in unity and in stability so that they will no longer be a people that is tossed to and fro. That seems to be the heartbeat of, of Paul in this passage, uh, in this book, in this scripture this morning. And I'd like this morning as we go along here to keep that in mind. That was the desire of Paul. I believe that is the desire and believe that is the heartbeat of Christ for the local church today. And I believe that would be the heartbeat for the church here that we would be like that, and that we would grow in that. And you know, it's interesting this morning to hear Brother Neil talk about Zaire. Is that how you pronounce uh, the man you spoke about this morning in Pakistan? Maybe Zahi. You say Zahi. I would say Zahi, right? But anyway, Zahi, as Neil says it, you know, in a lot of ways, he is a modern-day Apostle Paul. You know, he was once destroying the faith that he now preaches And I, you know, as we think about him and we think about Paul, you know, there was something that Paul really got a hold of in life. And what Paul got a hold of and what he got a hold of is what we need to get a hold of. Is it not? That's what we need. So largely what we're going to be looking at this morning, I'm going to read it here in a moment, is going to be simply this the salutation of Paul as he is 
writing this letter to the church there at Ephesians. He is, he is, uh, he is encouraging them and he is, he's, 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 can we say putting some things in order with their thinking. Um, as he is going into the book of Ephesians, and that's what we want to look at this morning. Some of you are probably wondering, what am I going to say about the subject of predestination? How many of you thought that already since I said where I'm going? Earl's shaking his head. I knew he would be one of them. And I'm not planning on depicting this belief system of predestination and figuring the nuts and bolts of it out, but I may share a few things along the way that I think will possibly help you understand what I think personally of that subject. All right, let's uh, let's just go ahead and read it at this time. Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 14. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, that ye in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And I'm going to leave off reading there. And I'm going to start here, first of all, by looking at the first two verses in this passage. And I want to notice the two things that Paul longed for, two attributes, could we call it, that Paul longed for to see be a living reality in this church he was particularly speaking to at Ephesus. And we see that here in verses 1 and 2. Uh, verses 2 in particular, he says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Two main attributes, I believe, that are essentials. Essentials. I realize that sometimes we're maybe experiencing it in, in greater dimensions or lesser dimensions, but two longings that he had 
for the church there at Ephesus is that they would be experiencing God's grace, God's divine influence on their heart and peace. And I would have to say this morning, as we consider this subject of growing in the unity of Christ and being not tossed to and fro, we need that grace applied to our hearts today. And we need that peace, that kind of stability, that kind of heart. And that's my wish, that's my desire, that's my heartbeat for us as a congregation this morning, that we, all of us together, could be experiencing that grace and that peace. And I know some of us here this morning would say, yeah, but uh, there's too many other obstacles in our lives that we're looking at. Too many other things that I'm not experiencing that peace. I'm not experiencing that place of calm, that place of rest. There's there's too many stirrings. We have some stirrings in our fellowship here. We have some stirrings in other areas of my life. I'm not experiencing it. How do I experience this peace? Well... You know, it's interesting. I think the Apostle Paul, he experienced turbulence too. He experienced unrest. He experienced difficulties. And I believe we are going to experience difficulties. We are going to face battles. We are going to face times of intensity. And we have to have that underlying assurance, that underlying peace, that underlying resting place in our heart. We have to have that. We must have that. And I'm going to suggest to us this morning, it is essential that we have that. And it's just interesting to me as Paul here is wanting to go into his heart for the church, that they would, they, they, they would grow in different things. And he's wishing them grace, that divine influence. And he's wishing them peace. And we have to have that peace. We must have that peace. And the first thing we have to do this morning, if we don't have that peace, is be honest with God And our fellow men that we don't have that peace and go on a pursuit to get that peace. And I'm going to suggest in the day and age that we live in, we must have that peace. And God has made every provision for his children today that we can be joined, enjoying that peace and that resting place. And that is my heart for you. That is what will still the storms in our life, or give us the grace to go through the storms in life, to have that resting, hiding place of peace. Do we have that peace this morning? That's a question I'm going to ask for us this morning. That's something we want to be thinking about this morning. Do I have that peace? And I hope this morning, for some of us, it can be a realigning of our focus. Some of us are sorting through heavy things. Some of us are or sorting through, through um, disappointing things. Some of us are, are, are sorting through uh, some uncertainty and all those kind of things. And you know what? It is very easy to begin focusing on that difficulty, that uncertainty, that thing. And I'm going to illustrate it a little bit like it's looking at a book. You know, if you're just sitting there sometimes glaring at a book, you're looking at something for a long time, your vision gets a little blurry sometimes, doesn't it? And you begin not sure what you're looking at, and you've got to look away from it and have to blink a few times to get your vision clear again this morning. This morning, I would like us to do some blinking if we need to do blinking to get our vision clear and look at the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus as adopted children of God this morning. That's what your man had this morning. That's what totally changed his life. And this morning we have to have it. 
This morning we have to have it. This morning if there's waves too big, like Peter, when he was out there on the, on the water and, and, he, and, he, and he got his eyes on that wave, he wasn't even able to see Jesus. And sometimes we get to that place in life. And this morning my desire is that we could realize the spiritual blessings that we have in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And if we need to blink a few times or we need to do repenting or we need to do business with God or maybe we just lost it or maybe we never had it, that we would get it because I'm going to recommend to us here this morning that we need it. If somebody wouldn't mind getting me a glass of water, I'm drying up a little bit. A cup of water. We need to have that. We need to have that here this morning. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. And I'd like to suggest this this morning. That's a bit where I'm going to springboard from this morning is from verse 3, I believe it is. Blessed be. You know, isn't it interesting how Paul recommends this to the church? He recommends this grace and this peace to the church. Then it seems that he, in my mind anyhow, as I look at verse 3, that he gives a burst of praise out uh, as he considers the blessing of the children of God that we can sit. Thank you. He seems to give out a a burst of, of, of praise where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Isn't that something to, 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 to just think about a bit? And I'd like for us this morning, if you're a, a struggling soul and you don't have that blessing and you don't have that security, I want to recommend to you this morning that on this side of eternity we can actually experience from time to time heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, I am longing. The other night we were, uh, we were at, the, at, the, at the community care center and those Amish young people were up front singing some songs about heaven and I was sitting there bawling. I don't remember what some of those songs were about heaven, but it was, it was, it, it, it was beautiful songs about heaven. And I leaned over to my wife and said, Honey... Can you imagine? No more misunderstandings. Imagine that in glory. One day we can experience that and our mind can go on and on to many things that we can experience when we get there. And I'm looking forward to it. But does it not bless your soul that it is the heart of God for His children at Oasis Christian Fellowship that at times we can experience heavenly... How does it read? We can experience spiritual blessings in heavenly places on this side of eternity. I don't know if that warms your soul or not, but that does something to me. And I want it. Now, does that mean that everything is going to be calm and peace and, 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 and all just like we would envision the church ought to be? It's not always going to be that. But I believe it is the heart of God that we have that kind of peace, that we can experience spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus this morning. And I just want to recommend that to us this morning, as these obstacles stand in front of us from time to time, that this is actually the heart of God this morning. And I don't have a lot of intention this morning at looking at obstacles and looking at those things that are getting in the way. My desire is that morning, this morning that we could be refreshed as we look at what the heart of God and the heart of Brother Paul seemed to be for the church of Ephesus and bring it right down into our life and our experience as a fellowship here. This is actually the heart of God. This is what he 
wants for us. And I just want to remind us, yes, we have some valleys, we have some difficulties, we have some challenges. And you know, many times we go through these things and we have obstacles and those things and it just seems to be overwhelming to us sometimes. But may our hearts this morning be encouraged. Many times it's when we get through those things and we get on the other side of those things and we can look back and see how God was faithful. And I thought I had my notes here, but we're not going to turn to it. But we could go to Matthew 13 and look there at the parable of the sower. And we many times look at that, you know, the seed. Some fell on stony ground, some fell on uh, by the wayside where the fowls came and devoured them. And some were there where the thorns and the thistles were growing and it was choked out. And then it was those that fell on good ground. And I honestly believe God has to take us through seasons of difficulty, seasons of challenge, take us through some of those valleys to break up the fallow ground of our hearts so that seed can continue to grow and flourish. And I just want our hearts this morning to be encouraged that we find ourselves going through those other things. To have our hearts encouraged that I think if we do it God's way, sometime we can come back out on the other side and look back and actually see what God did in my heart and life. And that is my testimony. Many times I can look back and see those kind of things. Heavenly places. Let's first look just a little bit at spiritual blessings. I don't want to confuse spiritual blessings this morning with material blessings. You know, just the fact that God is a good God, He calls the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust, just the fact that God is a good God, and God blesses us in many, many ways, we're blessed with many material blessings, are we not? We would have to agree we're blessed many times over with material blessings, but this is actually talking about spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not just these material blessings. You know, we could go down the line of many material blessings that we currently are experiencing and have experienced. But God wants to bless us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And as we look at some of these following verses, we're going to see some of those spiritual blessings are giftings from God to us that we just need to reach out by faith and get a hold of. It's nothing that we have to work for. It is a tremendous gift. It is a gift of salvation. And it comes to us and they're spiritual blessings. But I also would like to stretch our minds a little bit to think that, yes, there is other spiritual blessings for the church of Jesus Christ to experience and enjoy. But sometimes they come with a lot of hard work. Sometimes they come with labor. They come with a self-denial. They come with repenting. They come with a giving up of self. They come of surrendering our will and surrendering our rights and, 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 and just giving up and laying down our lives. That is a... And I'd just like our hearts to be encouraged this morning. That is going to be the avenue and the way and a means of experiencing these spiritual blessings, I believe, that he's talking about here this morning. And I believe as we lay our life down, as we resign and we give up our will and those kind of things, I believe it's only then can we begin experiencing some of these heavenly places blessings that God has for his children today. And I'd like our hearts this morning to be encouraged in that. I'd like our hearts to be encouraged this morning in these heavenly places that we're looking at this morning that we can enjoy in Christ Jesus. And I'd like to ask us this morning, are you experiencing those blessings this morning? Where are we at in our minds this morning? Are we experiencing those blessings? I'd like to look a little bit at verse 4 here. Verse 4 to me is a beautiful verse. And I just really appreciate verse 4. It can almost even boggle our minds. And if you want to, if you want to attach something to predestination in, in the scriptures that I'm looking at this morning, uh, uh, connect it to verse four right here. Connect it to verse four right here. It's beautiful. According as he hath chosen us in him 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, that verse just about boggles my mind. It was a couple of weeks ago where this verse just really arrested my attention. And I'd like it to arrest your attention this morning. You know, the God, the creator of the universe, the one that that took dust and formed man, the one that, that, that did it all before the foundation of the world. If I'm understanding this verse correctly, before he said, let there be light and let, let there be all those things, before all those things took place, before creation, he chose us. What did I read there? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, that's God's will for his children this morning. That we would be holy and that we would be without blame before him in love. In a little bit here, I want to talk a little bit about the subject of discouragement and the subject of fear and the subject of unrest and the result of unresolved issues in my personal life. And your personal life and its effect on the body, its effect on our spiritual life. And we wonder sometimes, why is there so much health issues and different things? You know, the, God did not design us to walk around in condemnation. He did not design us to walk around in condemnation. Do we ever wonder why the struggling soul that grows up maybe in a godly home and he's under mom and dad's authority and he experiences the blessing in life and he reaches that age and he begins hearing the voice of God. Maybe he maybe even makes a commitment to the Lord, makes a weak commitment. But, but, but rather than, than going the way of the cross, rather than, than, than living a holy life, begin enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, Begin going down that road. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I started. I may as well keep going just a little bit here. Begin going down that road, and after a while, that young, innocent look he had on his face or she had on her face is gone. It's downcast. It's, it's, it's not a free complex that it used to be. It's because that soul, and this morning, I'm going to be honest with you, I have a burden for you if that is your situation, God did not design you to carry what you're carrying. Before we were created, and, and we all know the gospel story, we all know how sin entered the world and diverted the plan of God and how, how God, once again, in the fullness of time, we're going to get into that, brought a redeemer and brought, a, brought, brought redemption so that today we don't have to be weighted down with blame and guilt. And you know, this morning... I know what it's like to have that that not clear countenance, that that darkness, that that uh, confusion, because God never designed us from the beginning to carry what mankind carries today, but He gave us the freedom and the privilege to unload it. Someone say Hallelujah! God did that for us. But how many souls go on and on and on 
and on. He freed us. I just, I love it. I prayed as I read this passage of Scripture and I considered the heart of Paul for the church of Ephesus. I said, Lord, give me, give me what Paul had. Give me that burden that Paul had. And this morning I want to convey that to you. It's for us. It is for us. And oh, but we need to be honest with ourselves where we're at this morning. Oh, I just, we can be without blame. You know, there's another word in that verse 4 there, that we would be holy. God wants you and I to be holy. You know, maybe we ought to ask that question a little more. Brother Earl, are you holy? Well, that's kind of a stretch, isn't it? Uh, God wants us to be holy. But, you know, many times, and I'm not going to go down that road. I realize we're far from perfect. I realize there's something like the imputed righteousness of Christ. I realize all those things. I realize I fall short many times. i got to fall on my knees and say, God, I did it. I blew it again. But I believe that is the way that we can be a holy nation, a peculiar people. That is the way. But I believe the church of Jesus Christ has done an excellent job of murkying the waters. Let's face it. In the culture and the day that we live in it, the waters are murky. We, we hardly can separate between the two. And I know it's easy for us to look at the evangelicals and look at the Protestant world and say, yeah, they sure murky it up. I mean, look at their divorce rate. But, you know, I'm not boasting this morning. I'm not boasting in the plain community this morning. But this is the heart of God, that we would be holy. This was his design from the beginning. And not only that, now we look, he wants us to be without blame and he wants us to be holy and he wants us to walk before him in love. I think that's all right there in that verse. Before him in love. Are you keeping yourself in the love of Christ is the question I'm asking you and I this morning. Are we keeping ourselves in the love of Christ? It doesn't mean that our lives are that holy that we... No, it doesn't mean that. But it means we're staying there in the love of Christ. And when God shows us something, we do something about it. That is the heart of God this morning. And I'm excited this morning that I can be part. I get this verse here. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now ye have obtained mercy. Is that us this morning? It ought to be us. It can be us. It shall be us. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm excited about that this morning. Well, I talked a little bit about this thing with, with blame and discouragement. And, and, I, and I just, I'd just like to talk about it just a little bit more here. You know, there is a lot of discouraged people in the church of Jesus Christ. And I am not living my life totally free from it. And I'll be honest with you with my testimony. I, I had, uh, I, I, I was driving somewhere the other day and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving along and I'm, I'm thinking about waves. Do you do that sometimes? You think about problems. You know, Peter, when I say waves, I'm thinking of Peter now. He was out there and this wave, and he looked at this wave and he began to sink. You know, too often we spend too much time looking at those waves and I'm, I'm driving along and I'm thinking about this situation. I'm thinking about that situation and I'm thinking about the other situation. 
And after a while, I'm just, I, I got this cloud coming over me that I can almost hardly shake. Has that ever happened to you? That I can almost hardly shake, and I'm thinking about all these things. And I stick a message on, and I'm listening to this message. And, and you know, I, I had to come to a place that I realized, you know what? I am, in, I am actually choosing to be this way. I am choosing to be this way. And, you know, this morning, I, I want to be very careful what I say here, because I realize some of us, maybe because of our genetic makeup, maybe because of circumstances, because of things, because of things that we have on our plate, I don't want it to get the idea that any kind of downtime or discouragement, whatever that we're experiencing, always is connected to sin. I want to be careful where I go with this. But, you know, in all reality, I think the only way we're really going to come out of that despondency or that discouragement or that, that excuse me, pull that we find ourselves in is by realizing I am choosing to be that way. I am choosing to be that way by not looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has for me. And I came to that place that I realized, you know what? I need to shift my focus. I need to get my eyes off of this. I, I, I got to stop and I need to look over here. I realize, take all that with a grain of salt. Sort through it in your own mind with what you have on your plate, with what you're going through, because we have to be real people and we have to look at real issues. But I am convinced that we need to spend time in this book. We need to spend time looking into the face of Jesus, realizing the blessing that we have, realizing the freedom that comes with our salvation, and keep ourselves in the love of Christ, so that when, as we sort through these difficult things that we have to sort through, and go through uh, difficult experiences and whatever may, may be, that we can do that as we maintain our place in the love of Christ without blame. I really believe that God did not design us to carry that. You know, I believe it is the, it is the primary tool of the devil to get people down and to look at their sin and to get their eyes off of Jesus this morning. I believe that. May we as children of the light this morning lift up our eyes. Nagging fear and discouragement. I'd like to talk just a little bit about that. You know, as I talk about discouragement, fear. Does fear grip us this morning? You know what? Let's, uh, I don't have it wrote down, but if you just turn to 1 John 4.18. Just, uh, you know, if we're going to talk a little bit about discouragement, I think it's only right that we talk a little bit about the subject of fear. Because fear... 1 John 4.18, this is a familiar verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. When we talk about keeping ourselves in the love of Christ, or walking without blame in love, you know, if... There are many, many things that we can look at today and become fearful, is it not? There's many things we can look at and become fearful. We can look at the unsettled economic situation. We can look at ISIS. We can look at, at uh, church difficulties and the church difficulties in churches all around us. And we can look at those kind of things and become fearful and, and become discouraged. And that's often what happens when we do that. Or we can stay in the love of Christ. And my desire is this morning that we could find some encouragement. We can find some encouragement this morning. That's my heart for you this morning. And that's heart for my own, my own soul this morning. That we could find the encouragement that we need.
me remind us again, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's God's heartbeat for us this morning. What are you looking to this morning? I would like to have somewhat of a twofold purpose. And maybe I should just share a little bit my burden and I already alluded to it this morning. As we think about this subject and we're thinking about the riches that we have in Christ. I have a twofold burden this morning for us as a congregation. Some of us this morning, the waves are so big, it's almost hard to see over it, around it or past it. And we need to lift up our eyes and look to Jesus. That's the one burden I have for you this morning because I know that there's some of that exists in this fellowship. And I deal with it myself. But I want our hearts to be encouraged this morning that we can look to Jesus. We can have our security in Christ. And we must have our security in Christ so that we can work through things. I think we must have that. It is essential this morning. That's my one burden. The other burden that I have this morning, and I already alluded to it, and that is for the struggling soul this morning that is struggling because has not yet cast their lot with the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted the wonderful gift of salvation. That's my other burden that I have this morning for you. And like Peter, we can lift up our eyes and see the Lord Jesus this morning. That's my desire this morning. I'd just like to refer to it a little bit. You know, I believe the church of Jesus Christ and even the Anabaptist community struggles many times because of a divided allegiance. And I believe it devastated. It devastates the church. It devastates the kingdom of God when we somehow have the mindset that we can get the best out of both worlds. And this morning, I'd like to make an appeal to us as a congregation. I'd like to make an appeal to us as a struggling young person. If it's you or middle age or older, whoever you are, if that is the way you've been thinking, if, if you look back at your life and that has been in your experience, that you would make a clear line and step over that line and cast your lot wholeheartedly with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the man had the testimony today that he did, because that is what he did. And he was a persecutor of the church, if I understood you right. Right, Brother Neil? Right like the Apostle Paul. Is it any wonder Paul could burn with the passion that he burned with because he made a 100% shift and he cast his lot wholeheartedly with the Lord Jesus Christ and I am convinced nothing less than that is what will do for us today that's the claims of the gospel that is the claims of the gospel and that is what Elijah told them on Mount Carmel he says how long will you halt between two opinions if the Lord be God follow him but if Baal then follow him and the people answered not a word of course that was before the the showdown there on Mount Carmel but where are you at this morning? Is that where you find yourself this morning? I want to have I have a heart for you this morning if that's where you find yourself because it is turmoil to be there. And I'll tell you why it's turmoil to be there because I lived there too long. I lived there too long. You'll have a devastated look on your face. You won't have a clear countenance. You won't have a testimony for the Lord. You won't witness to a soul. You won't lift up your voice and share the gospel if somebody gives you opportunity. And I'll recognize it's not always the easiest thing we do. I ought to do more of it. There won't be a song in your heart if we have that mentality. And I'd like to make an appeal for us this morning that we... You know what? No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot 
Serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two camps. It has to be one or the other. But I believe that we murky those waters. Jesus uh, had the message for the church there at Laodicea. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I were thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know what? I know what it's like to be a father. You fathers out there know what it's like to be a father. Oh, the blessing and oh, the joy it is as a father when you have a son and you have a daughter. When my children are 100% nults, what a blessing. Now, I'm not saying nults are, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But when my children, with peace, cast their lot in my family, what a blessing. What a blessing. And we all know what it's like when we have, you know, a struggling child. We're normal people. Sometimes we have a struggling child. And oh, the, the frustration when you try to figure some of those things out. You know, it's no different with God as our Father. He wants us on one side or the other side. And it's frustrating when you try to figure out, well, where is this child? What's going on here? And that's how it is with God. God wants us on one side or the other. And oh, this morning... May we cast our lot with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. I'd like to talk a little bit about our identity. I've been referring to it. Verse 5 and 6. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I would like to talk a little bit about our identity. I really already alluded to it and referred to it, but just to reinstate it. To cast our lot wholeheartedly with God and with the people of God and totally put our identity with Christ and let go of ourself. Where is our identity at this morning? Where has it been this past week? Is my heart beating with the heart of God? And with the people of God this morning. I'd just like to encourage us with that this morning. Adoption. A beautiful word. We have it right here. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. According to to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Let's just think about this word adoption a little bit. To me it is a tremendous blessing. blessing, And I know we have some of that here. It is, it's a tremendous example of the heart of God. You know, I remember in a friendship I had, it was a close friendship over a period of time where they began thinking toward adoption and it was a blessing to see the, 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 the process that they went through, the love that they went through. They went over to the country of Belarus and, and, and the, the, the love that went into that and the, and all that went into that. You know, look what we just read here. God, This is his heart to adopt us according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. It is the heart of God, that whole thing. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the the whole uh, divided allegiance and those kind of things. You know, just think about how far God went to purchase our redemption. And, you know, I thought an example of it is, you know, we most of us were probably here about three Sundays ago, I think it was, when Brother John shared the... The, the story of Alyssa, the situation there with Alyssa. You know, she was in their home and, and, and the, her real mother came and, and the, 
what went on there. And John, I believe, in his wisdom, decided that, you know what, they're not going to put her through that again. She either It either has to be one home or it has to be the other home. You know, there we see the beauty, the devastation of the confusion that John, the Nolt family knew that it would bring into this child's life to try to, to somehow divert between the two. But is it any different for God's children today when we try to, to, to have one foot in both camp? It is the good pleasure of God to make us wholeheartedly accepted in the Beloved. And that is my heart for us this morning. That is my heart for you this morning. Struggling soul who is experiencing that difficulty of, of, of trying to get just cast your lot with the Lord Jesus Christ and let God's peace flood through your soul. We have to have it. We have to have it this morning. And I'm going to recommend it to us this morning. He, he, God is longing to make us accepted this morning in the Beloved. Are you a child of God this morning? Is the doubt removed? You know, many times God's children, and I realize probably many of us dads here have helped our children through that struggle of the soul Sometime after conversion where doubts would rise up. I remember in my own mind what it was like to experience those doubts. Doubts rise up. Am I really saved? You know, you're experiencing some of these. And you need a dad and a mom to sit down with you and try to guide you or a counselor to, to, to guide you through that. We need that. And we, and we recognize that, that many times as part of our experience. But I also believe there's many times God's children experience doubts because we are parking and camping too close to the world. I believe that. I believe many times... And you know, we, we can go to Hebrews, we can go to Hebrews, I thought about doing that, uh, Hebrews uh, 3 and verse 12, it talks about departing from the living God because of unbelief. And unbelief, I believe, will, will take us those places, but I honestly believe that many times, too many times, God's children camp and park too close to the world and beginning to raise the question where I'm at, and many times go into confusion, many times go into discouragement, many times go into frustration. Simply because we didn't make the line clear. And that is my desire. That's what I'm really trying to communicate this morning in this point here. Let's make the mind, let's make the line clear. You know, even as I don't know anymore how old I even was, 22, 23, when I made, my wife and I responded to the altar back there at faith and made our commitment to Christ. It was life changing. But I also remember the months following the travail of my soul. Because I knew there was some things God was asking me to give up. And I, I kept kind of holding on to these things, wondering, is God really trying to deal with me in this area? I think, I can, I, I think God's going to be okay with this. And then, I, and then I experienced some of this. And Well, but I, I think God is going to be okay with this. I, I remember those experiences and some of that travail of the soul. But I can also take you to the exact place. 343 going north from Lebanon. One day there was a big black truck going up that road and he made a right turn right there on Route 22 and he went right over on the side. And I said, God, I give up. I'm going to now do it your way. And, and, I, and, I, and I look back to that many times, that the joy that flooded through my soul. Brother Raymond Burkholder was my mentor at that time. And he was over in Grenada. And back in those days, it cost a dollar twenty or a dollar thirty some a minute to make a phone call. And one of the first things I did was make a phone call to Brother Raymond. I didn't care how much it cost me. Because I knew a ton of bricks rolled off my shoulder right there. And it was when I said, God, I am willing to do it your way. Now, does that mean I got a hold of it and that took care of the problem from then on? No. 
it is a life of giving up. But I'm also making an, appeal to, making an appeal to us this morning that if that is how we're living, we're trying to slip this along, and we experience guilt, we experience condemnation, you are living a life of blame that God doesn't want you to live with. That is the bottom line. It is, it is guilt and it's blame. And you know, I get nervous. I hear this coming from, from some of us sometimes. You know, we make comments, like, oh, yeah, this, I, I did make this choice, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't say much about it. You know, I, I'd rather not, you know, a lot of people know about it. Uh, a lot of that goes on. A lot of that goes on. We're just kind of glad that, well, so and so doesn't need to know about it. I realize, not always sure where to put all that. But God wants to live us, us to live a life of transparency, a life apart from blame, apart from guilt. And that is the heart of God, what we can experience right here. Because of what Christ has done for us this morning, because of adoption. Oh, I just, uh, let, let's remove doubt. Let's remove doubt. You know, and, and, and can we just be a little bit practical here this morning? You know, as children of God, it is a way to, to, to be a holy people, a peculiar nation because of what Christ done in our heart. There are certain choices we make because we are a child of God. And when I go to the store and it's time for me to purchase clothing, it's time for me to purchase a vehicle, it's time for me to make purchases, we can make those kind of purchases based on the fact that I am a caught out of this world, I am a child of God, and, you know, I believe many times, young people, and even beyond young people, you'll go to the store and you'll make a choice. And you know it's not maybe the heart of the brotherhood. You know it's not the heart of your parents. You know it's not what God would expect of you. But, you know, what I think I can get away with it and, 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 and I think everything is going to be okay. And what about living a life free of blame and guilt and that conscience begins getting more and more cloudy and eventually we end up a confused, frustrated, discouraged young people, young person. We can end up that based on the choices that we make or we can make a clear line casting our lot with the people of God. I really believe that this morning. Right down to the places that we go. I remember in, in, in my past going to places Walking into things, walking into places that I knew God would never have a child of God to go. And walking out with guilt, blame, and condemnation. It is not the heart of God, it is not the will of God that we carry those things around. Oh, that we would cast our lot with the people of God. I don't think uh, my little friend Preston is here this morning, is he? Joy the Rain and Wayne, they're not here this morning. You know, I thought if he would be here, he's my little friend. I would invite him up here, and I would pick up, and I would, I would pick little Preston up here, and I would hold him up, and and I would, uh, you you would look in his face, and and you would see, and, and I, I I'm just using him for an example. I thought he's one that would do it to come up here. There's many other little boys here I could pick on that come up, but some of them I probably make nervous, right? I could pick a little boy up, and I could look at him, and I could say. Where, where do you belong? Where's your daddy? He'd say, right over there is my daddy. Where's your mom? Right over there is your mom. Do, do you? How are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling good. Uh, how was uh, How was your morning? What well, was good? Uh, did you have food this morning? Well, yeah, yeah, I had food. I, I had food. Are, are you worried about anything? No, I'm, I'm not worried. Uh, why aren't you worried? Well, he's, after it's over, 
unless I get invited somewhere, we'll go home and my mom will make me food. See, that, that little child will be totally secure. He'll be totally at rest because he knows right over there is my dad. I could hold little Kenton up here and do the same thing. He'd say, right over there is my dad and right over there is my mom. And you would look on his face and you would see peace. Right, Kenton? Calmness, serenity, because he knows who his dad is. Many times, God's children do not have that freeness and that complex because we have not totally and wholeheartedly cast our lot with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is my heart for us this morning. Distractions, many distractions. We have so many distractions in the people of God. We have so many distractions. And I want to talk about that a little bit as time permits as we wind down and talk about distractions. You know, I, I, I don't know how we're going to do this and I don't know how we're going to sort through all this as a congregation and as a church with the technology and some of the things that we're faced with. I don't know how we're going to sort through it. I don't know how we ought to sort through it. But I believe it is the heart of God, it is the people of God that we become a church like this. I believe that thing that we hang on our belt called a smartphone or an iPhone or a whatever phone causes tremendous distraction for the people of God and tremendous influence to the people of God. And tremendous it has the potential and is bringing tremendous devastation to the people of God because of the inability to use it right. And I don't know what kind of, what kind of, I don't even know how to approach the subject. I really don't. But I believe it's devastating. It has its, its potential of being devastating and bringing that condemnation to the people of God today. Oh, that we would go all the way with Christ. Christ designs for us as His children this morning to have freedom. To have freedom. Let's read verse 7 and 8. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all prudence and wisdom. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. We can walk in freedom. It is the heart of God that we have and are experiencing freedom. Freedom to serve God. Freedom to live for God. Freedom to do what is right. Freedom to be free from sin. Free that sin does not have to have dominion over us because Jesus Christ has set us free. It is the heart of God here this morning that we recognize the beauty of this freedom. Redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sin. Praise the Lord. Totally free. That is the heart of God this morning for us to be totally free. To have that kind of freedom for His children. You know what freedom is? Freedom is the absence of slavery. And it's, it, freedom, it also gives us the ability to do as one desires, to make the right choice. I don't know if you read this morning, verse this morning or not, Brother Neil, but know the truth and the truth shall make us free. I think it was the heart of Paul and it's the heart of God this morning that his children walk in all the freedoms that he intended us to walk in. And we go right back to the verse about the blame and the guilt. God wants us as his children to walk in freedom. You know, I wonder sometimes and I struggle, why aren't more of us just ready to go to the mission field? Why aren't more of us ready to serve God? Why aren't more of us ready to pay the price to take the gospel wherever God would have us take the gospel? And I wonder sometimes, are we experiencing, do we realize the freedom that is ours through redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ? Free to serve God. Free to go where God would have us to go. 
Are we experiencing that freedom? It is the heart of God this morning that we would experience this redemption, this freedom, and that we would understand it, the blessing. You know, we all know the story how, how Adam and Eve chose to sin and how, how that, that innocence was lost and, and death came into the world and, and all those kind of things. But Christ came and purchased our redemption and brings us back to a right standing with God so that we're free to serve Him. Are we this morning experiencing that kind of freedom? It's my heart's desire this morning that we would be experiencing all the freedom that God would have for us to experience. We could read Romans 5, verses 12 through 21, but I'm not going to turn there. It is not the heart of God that sin would have dominion over us. He came by His grace and through redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ to set us free from sin. And that brings us to verse 9 and 12. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation, this is the mystery of God, this is the secret of God that was hidden in ages past, And here Paul is, it can be a living reality for the church of Ephesus and it can be a living reality for you and I today. And many of you, it is a living reality. May this be a living reality for us today, the mystery of Christ, the secret of Christ. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both are which are in heaven and which are on earth, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. Bless the Lord being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of the glory who first trusted in Christ. This is the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, if we look at the context of this, I think what it's referring to here in the mystery of Christ is the fact that the Jew and the Gentile can come together. I think that's in the context of this scripture. This is the mystery of Christ, the dispensation of the fullness of time. That time came that Jew and Gentile could be one alike. And because of that, we as Gentile people have hope this morning. But how much more is it not the heart of God that we could come together as a body in Christ? I want to refer to that a little bit more in closing here yet. That is the secret of godliness. Christ in us, the hope of glory that we can come together in one body, in unity, in one heart, in one voice, in one mind. That is the heart of God for the church of Jesus Christ. Just as it was back here, I believe it was for the Jew and the Gentile, but you know, that, that, that's past. We're still living in the same dispensation. The Jew and the Gentile can still come together in Christ, but you know, I believe it is the heart of God. And I don't know how it all is supposed to work in church life with different backgrounds and all that coming together, but I believe... It is the heart of Christ to bring us together in one voice, in one body, in one heartbeat. That is the heart of God for us the morning, this morning. And, I, and I, 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 we, we can't deny this, this mystery, this beautiful thing here this morning. It's a secret. It's a mystery. And I just want to, again, encourage you. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. You can turn there. Uh, maybe somebody can even quote that verse. Um, thought maybe it would come to my mind, but it's not. When we talk about the mystery of Christ, we, we need to just take a quick look at this verse here. Five. I get a new Bible and sometimes it's a little frustrating. Looking for Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. How did the man say it one day at a time? It takes a holy God to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and put him back into an unholy world and keep him holy. Have you ever heard that one? takes a holy God to take an unholy man out of an unholy world 
and make him holy and put him back in an unholy world and keep him holy. It takes God to do that. And it will only do that with Christ in us, the hope of glory. If a man be in Christ this morning, if you are struggling with doubt and you have not cast your lot with Jesus, God can do that for you. If you're in Christ and be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Back to verse 12. It's our responsibility. It's, it's God's divine purpose that we be a church that brings glory to God in these last days that we get live in. And this evening, this morning, that's my encouragement to you this morning. God wants us to experience that security, that life of purpose. That's another thing I'd like to just consider a little bit, look at this morning here. Paul talks about the purpose of God and all those kind of things in those verses that we just read there. And I'd like to just talk about that a little bit this morning. You know, God has a purpose for you and I here this morning. God wants us to live a life of purpose for the cause and for the sake of the gospel, to the praise of his glory, as it says there in verse 12. And you know, I'm 46 years old, and I don't know how, I don't know how old God's going to allow me to live. But as I look ahead at my life, I want to live the rest of my days to the glory of Jesus Christ. But I look back over my past, and if there's anything that saddens me, it's that I didn't get to know Christ earlier. And I didn't get it serious, more serious about my walk with Christ earlier in life. And if there would be anything that I would want to impart to the young generation today, it is surrender and yield your life to Christ early in life and live for Him, for His purpose. And you know, many of us sit here and we think, yeah, but you know, do you think God will call me to Africa? Do you think God will call me here? Do you think God will call me there? No, don't even think about that. How can you serve Christ in your home? And I just want to speak a little bit as a father's perspective. The blessing it is to have a young person in a home who says, I just, I just go ahead and, and, and do things and serve Christ. What an opportunity. And I was talking about me being 46 years old. I look back sometimes. I, I go home to mom and dad, you know, and we visit there with mom and dad. And I look back on my life at home with a lot of regrets. And I don't know God's timing and all those kind of things, how God orchestrates things. You know, we, you know, we, 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 we grow up as children. We go through life and we get older and we learn more about God and we understand more about God and His heartbeat. And trust as we get older, we grow in grace. And sometimes it's more we realize we don't know the older we get than what we actually do know. But one of the things I would have to say that burdens me and troubles me more that I didn't learn earlier in life what it really means to surrender my life to Christ and just serve Christ in small ways in my home. And if there would be any wish that I would have as I look back at the dedication and the commitment uh, that my parents had to me as a child growing up, I wish I could do it over back there in my home and be a better servant of Christ in my home. And what am I really saying? If you want to live for the Lord as a young person, even as a, even as a pretty young child here this morning, if you want to live a life devoted to the Lord, uh, just serve God. Serve your parents. By serving your parents, you're serving God. Learn to do that in small ways in your home. I wished I would have done it. But here I am. I, I, can't, I can't go back and redo it. I have a lot of regrets that I was the rebel boy that I was back there. I wasn't a full-fledged rebel boy, possibly, but I wasn't that committed servant. And that would be my heart for us that, you know, God, that's part of the mystery of Christ. That's part of the freedom 
Why God wants us to experience that freedom is to serve. That's why God wants us to serve that freedom. To have that freedom is to serve. Now I'm going back there. Let's remember, we're looking at the context of our church life here. God wants us to have the freedom so that we can navigate through the waters that we need to navigate. But we can do it and we need to have that freedom. Let's just look at, uh, I'm going to have some concluding thoughts then, but let's just allude here to verse 13 and 14 yet. In whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, I believe here, it, I don't understand the uh, necessarily the King James Version, why it calls it the earnest of the Spirit. I have another translation here that says it this way. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, a guarantee, who is... Let me read that again. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ensuring our inheritance, having that deposit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will come and dwell in each one of us, ensuring our inheritance, that which is to come. Bless the Lord. That is for his children to experience today. Is that your experience? And I realize for the tender conscience, sometimes we can wonder, well, do I have the Spirit of God or don't I? Where am I at? And sometimes you need a little bit of help of your parents and those things to sort through all that. Because I realize sometimes that's a bit hard. But I think as children of God who walk with the Lord, we ought to know that, yes, He is there. You know, I, I personally believe that if we can go against our conscience and make choices against our conscience, against what we know God would have us to do, and then we go a couple of days and we do it again, and we do it again, and that voice saying, that's wrong, that's not right, gets dimmer and dimmer, and eventually it just becomes a life and a habit. I would question whether he's there. And I think if you're there and you're discouraged this morning, it's actually a gift that you are. Or if you're fearful this morning, it's a gift that you are, because God wants to totally free us of that by making a choice. And we can live a life Apart from blame. You know, may we this morning, we have the privilege of being totally anchored in Christ and having that seal that I know I am a child of God. And that only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through repentance, through surrender, through a giving up, through acknowledging that I've lost my way. That I lost my way. And you know, we can put on such a good false front. We can do all the right things and say all the right things. But my burden for you this morning is if that's where you find yourself, you can do something about it. That storm can be calm. You know, Paul, back to the beginning here, what I shared in verses 1 and 2 is grace and peace. It is the heart of God that we can be experiencing that grace and that peace. You know, I don't know that there's anything more priceless and more valuable to humanity and mankind that I, Brian Note, can go home tonight and lay down my head in my pillow and know that all is well. You know, that is a gift. That is huge. That is a blessing. And not because of thing that I have done. It's because I have chosen to accept His provision. I mean, that is tremendous.
And that was Paul's heart for the church of Ephesus. And you know, if we want to grow in the likeness and the unity of Christ so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro and have a stable church experience, this is foremost, utmost importance. There's no other way to get it. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men whereby we shall be saved. We can have that peace, that rest. You know, I thought about an illustration of this uh, years ago with my parents on a trip up to New York and we stayed at a lakeside cottage right along Lake Ontario and the wind was blowing and those waves were crashing in and the man who who uh, who owned the cottage there said, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it'll be peace, it'll be wind still and he said, that lake out there will be like glass. And that's how Lake Ontario is, he told us. And if I remember correctly, that was the situation in the morning. That lake was as still as glass. And that's what God can do in our souls when we're experiencing turmoil. We have a place to go with our blame and our guilt this morning. I don't know how I should close this morning. I don't want to take away from the emphasis and take too much focus away from the opportunity for a soul to respond and get right with God. Maybe I'll let Brother Earl decide how to wrap that up. But I would like to make a few more closing comments to us as a congregation here. You know, this letter was wrote to the church of Ephesus, which was a local body, which was a local body of believers. And his desire was for that local body to be experiencing God's grace and to be experiencing peace. That was his heart's desire. And I'd like to write my us this morning. That is God's heart's desire for us here. I would also like to suggest to you, and I know of a church, I'm not going to say the name because I don't know a whole lot about it, and some of you all know right where I'm referring to when I say this, but there is a church similar to us. They have chosen that anybody that wants to be a member of this church will live within certain certain many miles proximity of the church. And some of us have heard about that and wondered why, why would they do something like that? Well, I think they do that with a reason and a purpose. And you know, I think sometimes in our fellowship we... We miss each other. We don't understand each other. And we we try to figure each other out. And we try to do some of those things. And we have some difficulty in doing that. And there's a reason why we have some difficulty in doing that. And I don't know what the answer necessarily is. I could give a little bit of recommendation. But I think sometimes a result of some of that is, is because we don't know each other. We don't know each other real good. And I'm not sure what to do about it. Because a lot of it has to do with our lifestyle. I am coming more and more to that persuasion. A lot of it has to do with how we live our fast-paced lifestyle. I live down there and do my thing. You live up here. Elvin smiling at me and does his thing. Uh, we, we, that is the culture. That is our experience. That's what we live in. And it's very easy for us to go down a road of living pretty independently, pretty independent lifestyles. And we begin missing each other. And then we have to raise the question, how am I going to get to know my brother? You know, before we talk too much about that, I have this verse written down in closing here, yet I'd just like to refer to it. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians. And we, it says, Now I beseech you, chapter 1, verse 10, Brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That verse there flows together somewhat with what I had referred to there as the key verse in 2 Corinthians. You know, that is the heart of God that a church comes together like that. And, you know, 
I don't know how to even communicate this, but I really believe it is the heart of God as a community of believers that we get to know each other better. And then we raise the question, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? What are we going to do about that? You know, I don't know neither. You know, one of the easiest things to do is is spend time with those that I feel most comfortable around. How many of you, that's a natural reaction? I can look in some of your faces I know a whole lot better. And when I think of sitting down, the easiest thing for me to do would be sit down and have lunch today with some of you brothers that I know the best. Is that building good, healthy, productive church life by doing that? I think we would all have to conclude it really isn't. It really isn't. It's, it's the easiest thing for us to do. The ones that I find the most connection with, the most association with, they're my people. And I wonder sometimes how much of the missing each other sometimes we do because that is the easiest thing to do. That's the easiest thing for me to do. And I would like to stretch us. This, this isn't a magic bullet. This isn't a one-fix-all situation. But I'd like to give it to us as a recommendation. I think if we're ever going to come to that one heart and one voice or we're going to become that that church that we look at there in Ephesians, we're going to have to go on a journey. And we're going to have to. I believe if we're going to continue and we're not going to start a colony somewhere and all work together closely and that huge lifestyle change probably isn't going to happen. Okay, We have to look at it realistically. But I do believe that if we're going to do something to help us along in brotherhood life, we're going to have to be intentional in making choices of getting to know each other better. I honestly believe that in order to experience the peace that God would have us to have. And I don't know what to do about it. You know, I talked a little bit about this technology thing. This technology thing is an enemy. I I, I sort that through, spit a few stones out when I say that. I know to some of us it's a friend because it helps us along in business and a whole lot of things. But, you know, in a lot of ways, that thing is our enemy. We can find good, healthy you know, all of us is desiring identity. We're, 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 we're all desiring a sense of belonging. I think if you're a human being here this morning, you're desiring a sense of belonging. That's why young people turn out and go the way of rebels and things because they influence with others and they eventually end up going that way and looking for their identity. And many times, unfortunately, some lose out in their faith because of that. But we're looking for our identity. And because we got this little gadget in our hand, we can, we can get our identity just with a couple buttons and we can find that connection. We can find that fellowship fulfillment. And I don't know what to do about it. I, I, I'll tell you what happened some time ago. I was at my brother's place and the family was together. My sister was in from Missouri and the whole family was together. And my one brother pulled his technology out. And he said, hey, hey Brian, I want to show you this. Doot, 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 doot. And, and oh, did you see this? Doot, 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 doot. And oh, this guy over here. Doot. And he's doing this. And after a while, I got a sharp rebuke from my sister-in-law. What are you doing? And you know what? The reality of it is my sister came all the way in from Missouri and I was finding my fellowship, my connection by this phone. And you know, that's how it is. It is so easy. And I don't know what to do about it, but I'd like to just, I know I'm, I'm going a little bit long here. I'm going to stop shortly. You know, we have a lot of close friendships. We are blessed. Uh, I have to ask my wife, but in our youth, we had a, a circle of friendships. Warren Nolts were part of that circle. And then we had another circle of friendships over here, and we had a nucleus over here. And then I had my friend gang in my youth, and we had these over here. And then, you know, life goes on, and, 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 and uh, Jared goes to school. Eventually, you know, I'm going down the line a bit. Jared goes to school, and now we got to know a whole bunch more families, so we got friendships over here. And, and, and now we have the care center, so we got friendships over here. And after a while, if we're going to try to maintain all these friendships, 
it doesn't work. And, and now bring into the whole scope of things. We have family and all those kind of things yet on, on top of it. You know, it is very easy to find our connection and our friendship and our identity with groups over here and groups over there. And guess where, where does it suffer? The church suffers. The church suffers. And I'm not sure what to do about that. I'm not really sure about what to do about it, but I do think we need to get serious about it. I think we need to get serious about it. I honestly do. We personally, and I'm not saying we've done everything right, but we personally, you know, these friendships, they get together. There's sometimes uh, one of the groups get together a couple times a year. And we decided we'll try to, some of them we'll try to go to once a year when there's a get-together if we can. But we don't keep that connection and, and kinship. And we can't keep that connection and kinship. There's no way possible we could do it and grow and develop in our church community. We can't do it. It doesn't work. And I'm not quite sure how to do it. You know, sometimes I wonder, I'm going to do a little bit of brainstorming here, sometimes I wonder if we would do more of what God says we should do and go out in groups, out in a community, up to Pottsville, right? Uh, out in another community and establish a church. You know, years ago in the church we were experienced with when they moved a group up to Bradford City, uh, three or four, five, six families eventually were up there. And I think they became a tight. I'm sure they had things to work through. I'm sure they did. But they're, they're in a community alone, away from all these others. And it, it forces them into this. Right, Brother Tim? It forces them into this. And then we raise the question, what are we going to do here? And I don't know what to tell us to do here. But I think if we're going to grow in that kind of brotherhood connection and commitment where we don't miss each other, we are going to have to intentionally fact sacrifice other friendships throw your phone away if you have to okay no don't throw it away uh but uh so that we can grow in our connection and our appreciation for each other and our understanding of each other and come closer to that one heart and one voice and i'm going to recommend i don't know i i I honestly believe that we can use technology as a tremendous blessing i do believe that i do believe we can whether the day will ever come where I have one of those iPhones or smartphones, uh, I'd like to say I won't, but who knows. But I believe that if, because of where we're at and where we stand, I think we need to use that technology to connect with our brother. Now I'm gonna, and I'm gonna bring you right into the Brian Nolt theology, okay, because that's, that's where I can, I can have my connection, and I appreciate that, and I long for that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest this, if we're gonna be using these things, use it as a tool, to have this kind of a connection in our fellowship and on our brotherhood. Use it that way. Call the brother up. How are you doing, brother? What's, what's, you know, get to know each other rather than the isolation route. I'm just going to encourage us in that way. And it'll be a blessing. And it'll come back to bless us. I honestly believe it'll come back to bless us. You know, let me tell you this yet. We have had a family tradition. I'm going back to the Harmony days now. We've had a family tradition once a year we would go to a cabin up in Pine Creek. That was our family decision. And we have tried, I think, pretty much for the most part, we've done it where every year we'd go with a different family. We'd go with a different family. And that was a blessing. Some of you I went with. And I'd love to go to the cabin with every one of you. Now, be careful because we have to, after a while we'll be living at the cabin. I'm not suggesting that. I believe in family vacation, but I don't believe a lifestyle of living it up. Okay? Recreation. But re- there is a place for it. But the blessing. And I can look at all of you. Yeah, there would be some that I would have much more association that I could go and have much more of that we could even call it a click if we want, but that association. And we have a tremendous temptation to do that, but that will not build church life. That will build little nucleus inside a church, and it can come back to bite us. But I'm going to suggest to us, can we go on a journey 
of that kind of 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 uh, connecting with each other. Another thing you can do, and it's been a goal of ours, is to have a, a family from our church in our home every year. And maybe for some of you that would be a big bite. But, you know, how else are we going to get to know each other? And, and I think it's healthy for us to do that, to get in each other's homes and to be intentional. I think that's God's will. I think that's God's will. Well, I'm not quite sure how to close. I'll, I guess I'll let Brother Earl close it from here. But uh, I believe it is the heart of God that we have that resting place because of what He done for us. That place of peace.